Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond Farside Chats. Hello and welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasha and today I'll be speaking to Archie Forspey, General Manager of the Suyan Conservancy. Archie will be speaking to us about this exceptional wildlife area in central Kenya with its diverse landscapes and rare and endangered wildlife species. Archie, thanks so much for being here with us today to chat about the Suyan Conservancy, this beautiful spot in in Kenya, and about what you do there and what makes the place so special. Yeah, well, I'm very happy to be here. Very excited for our partnership going forward with and beyond. It's exciting times. Um, but yeah, so Suyan is a is a pretty special corner of Lycopia. So if you if you look at a map of Kenya, we're sort of pretty much. A little bit left of the middle of Kenya. It sort of to the east we've got Mount Kenya and then to the south we've got the Abadez. So it's a beautiful scenery area. And obviously wildlife is there's plenty of wildlife around. Um but yeah, and they're very much looking forward to to moving forward with them beyond. Fantastic. We're really looking forward to hearing more about it and I think to exposing our listeners to a lot more about this wonderful part of Kenya that I think a lot of them might not know about. Before we go into the details around Suyan, could we just start off a little bit, um, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be working at the Suyan Conservancy and what your role is there? So I started in on Suyan in, in January 2016. So what's that? That's sort of seven years ago. And I grew up in I grew up in Kenya. Um, my family were involved with uh, tourism, um, doing horseback safaris in the Maasai Mara. When I left school, I fell into the family business for a little bit, and then decided that guiding wasn't wasn't for me as such. And ended up coming to work for the Poas family, who own who owned Suyin, um, and worked with Kilfred, who who was the owner for for two years, and then he he passed away. And then when he passed away, I sort of slept and in, slept into the gen, general manager role, and sort of been here ever since. But you know, it's a it's it was quite an easy trade off from tourism coming to live in the bush anyway, sort of conservation, wildlife, and and. Such has sort of been part of my life for, uh, since I was very small. You've mentioned that Suyan is part of the Laikipia re- region, which is more or less central Kenya. Can you just kind of, well, I think you did set the scene on more or less it's, it's where it's located. Can you just talk a bit, little bit about Laikipia and what it is in your view that makes it a, such a special place? Yeah, so it's a very special, unique part of the world. It's basically a big mixture of land here. You have sort of private conservancies, private cattle ranching, community land, and it's sort of very sparsely populated compared to other parts of Kenya. But, you know, the whole area is about 90% unfenced. You know, we we don't have a single fence on, on Suyin at all. So the wildlife can roam from here to Samburu, to Lewa, to Barana, to Old Pejita. So there's a pretty, pretty unique landscape in that regard. Most of the time, you know, most of the time the wildlife is sort of on on Suyin. but as I said, as there are these migration paths, um, natural migrations, you know, following the rain around as much as possible. So it's a it's a it's a pretty unique place in in that regard. But you know, we've got we've got two main rivers flowing through Lycopia, which is sort of the lifelines of the of the area. So water, there's plenty of water. We have pretty good rainfalls here generally. Um, we've just been through quite a tough drought, but we've come out the other side of that. So it's a pretty 
pretty amazing wildlife haven and a big connected landscape, which is which is pretty unique for for Kenya and if not Africa. I really think that whole concept of an unfenced wildlife area is something that's very unique and. You know, I'm sure it's got its own challenges, but also, you know, pros and cons. So as you've spoken about the wildlife corridor, which is really amazing that that wildlife can follow the natural patterns. But, you know, in terms of the balance, you also said, does it make it a little bit more difficult to predict where the wildlife is going to be? Or is there pretty much a said rainfall pattern that it tends to follow? You know, obviously barring the the drought years. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, you know, there's always the resident wildlife. You know, you've got your territorial wildlife. You know, you your your big cats, wild dog. You know, they all uh, seem to stay pretty much within their territory. So we've got the resident wildlife here as well. And then you know, the sort of plains game and the elephants are the ones that sort of fluctuate in numbers a bit. You know, there's there's always elephants here, but you know, it's you know, sometimes there can be less than others, and in other times, you know, we can have hundreds of them everywhere. So, you know, it's not so much that the wildlife all disappears at certain times a year, you know, it's always here. So, you know, it's we're sort of quite lucky in that sort of sense. You know, then also with that, you know, with the elephants, we sort of have the big old resident bull herds that hang around here. Being 44,000 acres, you know, we generally have good grazing, good, good areas for them. So you know, there's always there's always something going on here. Absolutely, and the fact that you've got so much river frontage, I'm sure, must also be a plus for the wildlife. Yeah, hugely. Uh, we've also we've also got quite a few dams and reservoirs and things like that, which we've put in um, to sort of help through help through the drier periods. But you know, as, as long as you've got enough vegetation and water, you know, the elephants seem seem to do pretty well and and enjoy being in this part of the world. Now, um, Archie, obviously. Laikipia is nowhere near as well known as some of the other wildlife areas in, in Eastern Africa and, and Kenya particularly. You know, it doesn't have the fame or the or the renown of the Maasai Mara. But again, that's something that whether it's whether it's justified or not. In your opinion, you know, how does Laikipia compare to those popular reserves such as the Mara, both in terms of, you know, game viewing opportunities, game density, and also the experience itself, you know, what game viewing is like, what the landscapes are like, what the sense of space is like. Yeah, so it's you know, pretty similar to the places like the Mara in sense of space and open country. You know, we can, you know, we've got, as I mentioned earlier, we've got the two mountains in our viewshed. You know, most places in, in Laikipi, you can see the top of Mount Kenya and the top of the Abadez from everywhere. So, you know, you've got these huge views. Kenya's about 100 kilometers away from us. And, you know, for 200 mornings of the year, it stands there clear and proud and we can see it beautifully. So you've got these huge vistas, which is great. Then also you've got a lot of diversity. You know, we've got a lot of rock copies, especially on Suyen. We've got a beautiful line of granite that actually runs down below where where the lodge is going to go. And that's beautiful to look onto. And then obviously the river frontage is quite a spectacular, unique part of the landscape. Then from a wildlife point of view, you know, we don't have the densities that we have in, in the Mara. I mean, the Mara is sort of a pretty unique in that sense, but we have quite a few species that you don't get elsewhere in Kenya. You know, we have the Grevy zebra, for example, the reticulated giraffe, Jackson's hartebeest. So we sort of get this uh, mixture of unique wildlife um, in, in this area. From from a wildlife viewing perspective, you know, you're going to have a lot more unique sightings than you probably would um, in the Mara. But yeah, it's definitely not the, not the same game densities, but there's still plenty of wildlife here. And it's sort of a little, and I would almost say it's a little bit more interesting than the, than the, than the wildlife you get in the Mara. 
more, more, more diverse anyway. Well, I would imagine that, you know, along with that, that lower density of game also goes a lower density of tourism. So it must be really exclusive game viewing that's, that's far away from all the crowds as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, there's some, some conservancies in like Hippie, which are, which are open to drive in tourism, but, um, but here we know we're sort of, it's very exclusive. So if we, if we have a lion sighting, you know, you're going to be by yourself basically, which is, which is very special. Absolutely. Especially in that East African context, I think. No, no, for sure. The exclusivity of it is, is pretty special. You know, I sometimes have to pinch myself, you know, driving around working and, you know, you stumble across a big pride of lion here called the Enduru Pride, which is currently 15 strong. And it's just you and the 15 lions sitting there. It's quite a, it's quite a unique, unique experience. Archie, you mentioned the other conservancies in the Laikipia area. And obviously in an unfenced area like that, it's really important for, you know, for them to be some kind of unified vision about the wildlife and about the use of the land. I believe that the long-term plan for the Laikipia area is to create a larger conservation area that includes a number of neighboring conservancies. Could you talk about that a little bit, you know, to what extent is that already happening and what are the plans for this and coming up in the future? No, we're all, we're all basically singing off the same hen sheet when it comes to sort of land practice and, and conservation. You know, traditionally speaking, this has always been a intensive ranching part of Kenya, basically from the late nineties, moving into the early two thousands, everybody sort of changed tact a bit. And, um, we will touch on the, on the cattle operation, um, slightly a bit later, but you know, this, this whole landscape has been managed with conservation in mind despite being livestock operations as well. So we all have very good relationships with our neighbors already. And maybe in the future, we we'll, could look at a bit more collaboration at the landscape level, uh, working even closer together. We go down the route of sort of, instead of having sort of hard boundaries, you know, allow a bit of intertraversing across the different properties to sort of give that even greater sense of space. But there's, especially from the Conservancy's point of view, there's a sort of very unified vision on on conservation as well as operating livestock with conservation in mind. And that is what, that's sort of one of the reasons why this landscape is sort of quite a so healthy environment is because of the cattle operations and the way they're managed holistically and and. And those kind of practices have allowed the, the wildlife populations to 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 really boom in the last few years. Oh, that's incredible to find some like-minded neighbours that that actually manage things the same way. I'm sure that makes all the difference in the world. No, it sure does. Okay, Archie. So we've set the scene a little bit, spoken about Laikipia and area looks like and 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 how it feels. Can you tell us a little bit about the Suyan Conservancy in particular? And I understand it's got really, really beautiful and diverse landscapes. And you've already mentioned the copies and the river frontage. Could you just um, describe the concession and the landscapes and the variety of them in general? And so we're quite lucky here, especially on this eastern side of like here we we have quite a lot of open country you know big rolling plains like like you have in the mara and then as you go down towards the river you sort of have open acacia woodland and then we've got this beautiful escarpment that runs parallel to the to the river which is sort of again comes into sort of more acacia woodland slightly thicker bush and then as you get down to the river then we have all the copies and everything down in the basin next to the river so it's, it's extremely diverse and, you know, you could drive 10 minutes and you could be in three different parts of Africa very easily. So it's, it's quite unique and it's changes in elevation quite a lot. So up on the top on the plains, 
I'm afraid I I only use uh, I use feet, so it's sort of about six thousand two hundred feet up at the top, and then you go all the way down to the river, which is sort of five thousand three hundred feet. So it's sort of got a thousand foot of elevation as you go sort of east to west on the property. So as you can imagine, with that with that sort of relief as well with the mountains, you know, we we have some pretty stunning views here. I can imagine it sounds absolutely amazing. You know, really exceptional variety and. Given the the size of the conservancy, really amazing. Yeah, no, it's pretty pretty unique. Very lucky. Okay, so we spoke a little bit about the river and the impact that it has on the wildlife, and and in terms of bringing the the animals into the area, is that going to have an influence on some of the activities that we're going to be able to offer at Suyan as well? Yeah, for sure. And you know, as I said, you know, it's a, it's not a national park, so you're not you don't have all the rules and regulations that come with being in a national park. Swimming in the river, jumping off the waterfalls, kayaking in the rivers, walking, horse riding, bicycling. You know, we're not, we're not beholden to any national rules on that front. So there's a lot of freedom here, which you don't get in other parts of Kenya and, and, and maybe even the world. Um, so from that state, from that state, well, so the rest of Africa rather, maybe not the world, but from that point of view, it's, it's awesome. You know, fly camping, all those kind of things we can do. And um, you know, I think that will really help to create quite a unique guest experience. Absolutely. It really sounds like an absolute playground of, of different experiences. No, 100%. Um, can't beat it, really. You've mentioned a little bit about the wildlife. One of the species you mentioned were African wild dogs. And I believe that's one of the exceptional wildlife draw cards for this area in terms of endangered species that you're likely to see at Suyan. Can you tell us a little bit more about the wild dogs and about any other endangered species that you might see, how often you see them, or what are the real highlights of that wildlife experience? For sure. So we've got a pack of 14 wild dog at the moment in the area. You know, the thing with the wild dog is they have quite a large territory. So when they're coming through, you know, they're they're passing through, but we definitely see the pack at least once a month in the area. But then also that's because, you know, we don't really have a big tourism footprint on sea and as such at the moment, um, sort of transitioning from being a primarily cattle operation into the into the tourism side of things. So there's not a, there's not always people looking for them. But, you know, they're generally, they're, they're always in the area. And as I say, you know, we see them once a month without even looking for them. So if you have people out there looking for them, you know, that, that would probably, um, come up uh, that interval between sightings would probably come right down. They're generally always in the area. And then, as I said, you know, we have the Grevy zebra, which is the, which is a sort of Northern Kenya variety. Uh, it's a lot bigger with a lot thinner stripes. It's a beautiful animal. And we've got the Jackson's heart of beast, which has only, plus or minus 700 of them left in Kenya. Um, they were in Lycopia. So from that as well, then we've also got a, we've also got a manalistic leopard that's two or three of them now, which have made, made Sue in uh, their home. So, so that's a pretty unique experience as well, having them around. And, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty amazing sighting when you do see it. Yeah, I can imagine. It's not something that you ever heard of being spotted anywhere else. No, um, you know, when all the lodge architects and everybody were here, they actually pleasure of bumping into it just completely out of the blue, which is quite amazing. <laughs> That's always the way wildlife sightings go. Yeah, when you're least expecting it. It's the rare stuff as well. And also those, um, the sort of northern Kenyan species that you were talking about that are a little bit different from the rest of the country, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we have the, you know, you've got the civils and caracals and all those kind of things as well. So, you know, we sort of, 
you know, we have everything here basically apart from Black Rhino, which is definitely, um, it's in the pipeline and we're sort of having conversations about going down that route, but that's, that's for the future. And also, of course, um, Laikipia is also known for, for its elephant. I think it's the second largest population of elephants in Kenya. Does this apply equally to the Suyan Conservancy? And do you get really large numbers of elephant as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, it's, it's, it can be slightly seasonal, but, you know, as I said, we always have elephant here. It's just the sort of number of elephant that varies and they're pretty free to roam. They sort of don't have the ranges that they used to migrate in, but they've, you know, they're pretty free to roam. So they, so the, Numbers do fluctuate, but it is there. We definitely have a very healthy population of elephants here, which is which is always good to see, and so they're quite a good litmus test for the health of health of the environment um, in this in this part of the world. So um, no, it's always nice to have them around. Amazing! It certainly sounds like there's no shortage of interesting things to see. No, there's certainly no shortage of that. Archie, I'd like to just chat a little bit about, you know, how the conservancy itself works. You know, you mentioned previously that there were cattle on the land as well, and that it's actually a model that's quite common in the area. But I think it, you know, it might very well be something that not that many of our listeners are familiar with, because it's not really something that's practiced a lot in other parts of Africa. Could you just talk a little bit and describe how the cattle ranching works um, side by side with the wildlife, you know, what the benefits are for the ecosystem and how all of that interacts with each other. Yeah, so historically, Suyin's always been a cattle operation. It was actually a sheep operation right at the beginning. They had 9,000 head of merinos here. And then obviously when the polyester fleece was invented and the price of wool came down, the, the families moved more to a, to a cattle-based operation. And, you know, so as I was saying, the Conservancy is 44,000 acres. But what we've, we basically practice holistic grazing management system here, which basically means we have all the cattle in 10% of the property at any one time, no more than that. And they're all bunched together in a high density grazing system. So what that means is that you have the other 90% is completely free of cattle and the wildlife is in that in, in those areas. Basically, have the cattle being so condensed means the footprint of the operation is, is actually relatively small. And at any one time, and then we obviously move those, move the cattle around using, you know, you know, once they've grazed out an area, they move them, move them on, and we move them out of that area into the next area, then graze the next ten percent, and then so on and so on and so on. So there's a big rotation that we have really well that lets the wildlife have a good. No, the majority of the property to to be in, and it's actually interesting when you have a lot of grass. It tends to be the wildlife all come and join the cattle because they prefer the the shorter, fresh, <laughs> fresh green grass um, that the cattle have grazed out behind. And it's, it's it's slightly ironic how that works. You sort of give the wildlife as much space as they can, but they end up being within the cattle anyway. <laughs> so the holistic grazing system, you know, is basically the concept of it is to graze an area as intensively as possible and then let it recover for the most amount of time as possible. So you've always got fresh, new, healthy green grass growing up, which which that which the wildlife actually way way prefer. So as much as a revenue stream the cattle are, they're actually an extremely useful uh, management tool in making sure that making sure that the rangeland is, is, is healthy and young and, and sort of, you know, productive rather than having seas of grass, which what it gets sort of um, tall and hard and woody and then, and then nothing actually eats it. So it's, so, so they complement each other extremely well. And it's, 
yeah, as you say, it's a pretty unique system. Quite a lot of people, you know, game farms in South Africa would probably be horrified to hear that we have a big cattle operation with the wildlife and and vice versa. But it works. It works very well. And as I, as I say, it's been it's been happening for a long time. The way you describe it, it actually makes all the sense in the world. And the value of 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 that revenue stream from the cattle is also something that can't be underestimated. I think if there's one thing that COVID taught us, it's that how tenuous it is for Africa's wildlife areas to rely on tourism for an income and and for actually being able to fund those areas. So if there's a way that you can combine cattle ranching and wildlife and include a revenue stream in it, I think it's it's a really fascinating model. No, for sure. I mean, it kind of places, you know, you need as many revenue streams as possible. Day conservation is all about sustainability. And if you're not financially stable, you're not, something's going slightly wrong somewhere. You can't claim to be in conservation if you can't balance the book. So it's a sort of, it's a great two birds with one stone um, uh, scenario. In addition to the cattle grazing, you know, I know that you do a lot of active land management at Suyan as well. And I remember hearing that one of the things that was quite a challenge in the area was alien plants encroaching, you know, on the grazing. And I believe that's something that you've managed very well at Suyan. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that and and how you've managed to keep it at bay? Yeah, for sure. So um, there's a South American cactus called Apuntia, which came in from somewhere. I'm not quite sure where it is. You know, I think it was brought in as a in as an ornamental plant in a garden or something like that and as such the case you know they've had huge problems i think i've had it in south africa australia but we have basically had to go to manual extraction um, of the plant we are also attacking it biologically with cochineal which is a sort of beetle that actually eats it but it, it doesn't eradicate it you know obviously beetle can't can't eradicate its primary source of food but it certainly slows down the spread which is the main thing but you know, we, we've, we've got a team full-time walking transects um, in um, out on the conservancy and every single plant that they come across, we pull it out. And then we've got various methods of getting rid of it, um, one of which is cutting it up and putting it on the roads. And then the car's driving over it, that kills it, dries it out. And then in other places where it's too far away from the road, um, we pile it up and we actually have to burn it. Otherwise, you know, if you leave it there, it just regenerates and sprouts again. But, you know, we've been very lucky at Sui and we've, we've managed to stay on top of it a lot more so than others. So we're in a lucky situation, but it was sort of a question of nipping it in the bud um, before it became too big a problem. But we're not going to relax our t- efforts, you know, keep going round and round and round and until until it's gone, um, if we can get it to disappear completely. But I fear it'll be a bit like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. By the time you've finished one lap, you have to have to go back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you have to start over. Um, but it's it's definitely worth the effort um, to to keep on top of it now while it's still manageable. And, and you know, we'll keep doing the cochineal, which is the biological method as well and sort of have a two, two-pronged attack and, and sort of hopefully stay on top of it. But it's, you know, it's quite tricky because, you know, the baboons, the elephant, all those wildlife, you know, they've started eating it now as well, which is, um, which is <laughs> okay. just turbocharging the spread a bit. But um, I'm sure we'll be able to keep on top of it, um, especially on sea. And, you know, we sort of nipped it in the bud in 2014, which is actually before I came here. And we've sort of 
kept on top of it since then. So carry on, keep on, keep on going with that. Well, it certainly sounds as though Suyan is an absolutely magical place with so much to offer. I certainly can't wait for an opportunity to see it. Just, you know, as we sort of round up our chat, I know this is a really impossibly unfair question, but I'd really love to hear what is one of your favorite wildlife memories or experiences or, or things that have happened to you during your time at Suyan? Yeah, this this was the question I was dreading a bit. Because it, <laughs> it, it, it's a tough one. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's, it is a tough one. Um, you can't really beat those sort of scenarios where just when, it, when it's just you in this big pride of lion, you know, I've had a couple of experiences of them, you know, just driving around doing normal conservation work or cattle work or whatever. And you bump into them lying on the side of the road and you're just sitting there and it's just you and 15 lion and there's nothing else going on around you. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool pride and we're getting to know them very well. You know, they basically, their territory, one end is on the edge of one side of Suyan and the other edge is on the other side of Suyan. So it's a very cool pride. But hanging out with them is pretty amazing. And then, you know, the wild dog uh, fascinate me and it's, and it's awesome when they come through. Their whole social structure and what they do is just, is just pretty phenomenal. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm yet to see the black leopard, which is quite. <laughs> as, as don't have, I don't. I don't have the luck that most people have for some reason. Yes. Well, maybe it's saving itself. For- <laughs> Despite being here for eight years, um, but yeah, it'll be quite cool. Quite cool to see that one day. But you know, Anne, who has the little camp on the other side of Sea and you know, they see it pretty much on a weekly basis. But yeah, no, I'm yet to, yet to be blessed with that sighting yet. But it's always good to have something to look forward to. Absolutely. I think Africa has a way of doing that to you. There's always something that's held back. Yeah. I have to ask, do you get involved in, in like the, the lion pride and, and the wild dogs as well? Do you like get involved in following them and watching out for them and, and seeing what's happened and who's split off and moved off where and, and how the whole lion soap opera works? Yeah, we do. I mean, you know, as I said, you know, we're not, there's no one out monitoring um, all the time and what have you, but you know, this, this pride of lion, there's four main females in there and they've had these 11 cubs that have all now grown up. You know, there were 17, but three of the bigger sort of young males have now split off. But when we first started seeing them, they were those little tiny cubs and now they're sort of grown up and, and, you know, getting to the stage where they're becoming part of you know, the pride is 15 fully grown lions. And, you know, it's been quite cool watching them grow up. So yeah. And, and then the wild dog, you know, they've had a, they've had a pretty rough time. We had actually had two big packs back in 2016. And then sadly they, they both, they all got distemper and, and died. But now over the last sort of five, six years, they've now built up again into a big pack. So that's been quite fun watching that happen. You know, it started off with three sort of got together and then formed a pack and, you know, three survivors sort of got together and shook it off. And, you know, and so, yes, yeah, so they all died of um, distemper, um, but there were three survivors who've now come back and, and sort of formed this new pack, which is now sort of breeding up in numbers and they've bred, bred twice now and hopefully they'll breed again this year. Um, you know, get the numbers back up to where they were before the distemper came in. But it's been awesome watching them sort of patch themselves back together and become a fully fledged pack again from from just the three of them. Yeah, I can imagine. It must be so difficult not to get emotionally invested when you see something like that happening. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's always tough to tough to see that happen for sure. Well, hopefully they'll continue to thrive and come back to full strength. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Archie, one last question before we wrap up. If there was one thing that you could t- say to a traveler who's thinking of coming to Suyan, you know, one thing that would really recommend it as a travel destination, what would that be? 
I think it's just to take advantage of the fact that you can walk, you can go swimming in the river, you can go biking, you can you know, sleep out under the stars and do all that stuff that you can't do when you go to other places. And it's such a unique experience doing that kind of stuff. It's really worth the effort, you know, especially spending the nights out and, you know, fly camping, being out, out the vehicle, out the game drive vehicle. It gives a very different perspective to the bush and and all of that. So that's what I would suggest for sure. It really is an amazing set of experiences. I mean, it's, as you said before, the freedom of being able to do all of that in the bush is absolutely unprecedented. No, for sure. You know, being in the bush and doing game drives is, is amazing, but being on your own two feet and actually being out in the bush like that, it's a great leveler and it's an amazing experience for sure. Archie, thank you so much. You've painted a really vivid picture of the Suyan Conservancy and what it has to offer. And I'm sure that you will have lots of guests coming your way when we do eventually open up there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we're all extremely excited at Suyan for this new partnership. And I think it's going to be awesome for Suyan. Uh, it's going to be awesome for the landscape and hopefully look forward to a long future doing conservation in this part of the world. It's very exciting. That it is. And we'll be sure to keep all of our listeners updated as things develop, as everything progresses up to the opening. Thank you again, Archie. No worries. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about and beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.